Welcome to the Business Awards Show, where we share valuable information and secret nuggets to get your award entry noticed by the judges for all the right reasons. Our weekly episodes also feature inspirational interviews with winners, judges and sponsors. So let's dive in and start your journey to award-winning success. it's Debbie Gilbert here from the Business Awards Show and I'm also the owner of the Best Business Women Awards and today I'm joined by Hannah Grice who is a clinical animal behaviourist, she can tell us more about that and she does pet training as well, pet behaviour training and she is at the top of her game. Um, She is really highly qualified in this area so we're going to be talking about this area of her work she was a silver winner last year in the Best Business Women Awards in not just one category, but two. So animal services and customer service, really difficult to get shortlisted in customer service. So we know that she's going to be outstanding in that area to have been chosen by the judging panel. Um, has been a previous winner of the awards and other awards as well. So we're going to talk to her all about awards, but also find out more about what she does with animals and why she's so great at what she does. So welcome, Hannah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So let's start at the beginning. What took you into this industry and what is it exactly that you do? (laughs) (laughs) It's a really good question, yeah. So um, I'm 47 nearly and when I was at school, this job didn't really exist as such. It was vet surgeon or vet nurse. And I knew I didn't want to go into that particular um, field, but I knew I wanted to get involved with working with animals. However, conscious that I needed to have a roof over my head and that dog walking and pet care isn't gonna give you um, huge amounts of money in the early years, I decided to get myself a politics and business degree and then get into business um, as quickly as I, I could. And that literally was a means to save money because I always knew I wanted to work with animals. When I was then working in television, because my career took uh, an interesting path, having hated working in financial services on a trading floor for a few months, I quickly um, left and went into TV production. I ended up producing many shows, and one of those shows included The Big Breakfast um, for My Sins, and um, we used to have uh, animal behaviorists come on there as well as trainers and it was through a well-known behaviorist who kind of invented puppy training as it were at the time and we're talking in the 90s at this point and early noughties that really encouraged me to go for it because I mentioned that I was really keen on working with animals and having worked in tv and film you do work with animals and you do work with animal trainers mm-hmm. but less um of the behavioral uh, training and modification that I was interested in. Anyway, so long story short, I took various qualifications, continued to work full time to put money in the bank. And that got me to the point by 2006, I was ready to launch the business. And that's how it began. So in 2006, you launched the business. And then what's made you take additional training to get you to the level where you are now? 
Um, again, a good question. I always want to be on top of my game. Um, very driven. Got my dad to thank for being sort of almost workaholic type <laughs> traits that have been inherited. And I always knew um, I wanted to, to get as far as I could in my industry. And that's a really interesting one because the animal behavior and training industry isn't well regulated, if oh. at all. So there's been lots of debate over the years about this, which is why you could technically take a two day course and come out and call yourself a behaviorist or trainer. Now, everyone's got to start from somewhere. My goodness, I know that, so did I. And that's no bad thing to have a starting point. But over more recent years, we have progressed to get to a point where there's the formation of something called the Animal Behaviour and Training Council. And it's where you choose to go through robust systems where you um, show that you've gone on to further learning. So like myself, an MSc in Applied Animal Behaviour and Training, and then you're furthering um, your knowledge with just uh, practice. So hours of work, working with clients, and then you're getting your cases peer reviewed, you have formal interviews, and it and it's a process of kind of validating that you're um, understanding the knowledge and the theory, it's being applied appropriately using science-based up-to-date methods. You're showing um, professional ethical approach because you're dealing with a range of issues. And some of those issues are emotionally traumatic and incredibly draining. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go through that process basically as a validation for myself that I knew what I was doing, and this is an ever-evolving field, particularly in the last 20 years. We've learned more about, you know, domestic dog Fido than um, ever before. You know, back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you could argue we knew more about primates and, you know, marine animals than we did domestic dog, which is crazy because that's the first animal domesticated. And this is where the problem lies in today. And why awards are so great, because there are lots of people out there that um, are unaware that clinical animal behaviorists exist, that there are certified um, uh, bodies like the Animal Behavior and Training Council, where individuals, practitioners like myself, choose to go through a, a robust um, uh, uh, evaluation process with assessment committees to then let you be part of that otherwise you could just look in an old phone book look on google and pick somebody who might then you know advise you to spray your dog with water because it likes to slap your dog or or chuck a chain down towards its back or jerk its lead and unfortunately it's been populated some of that in the sort of recent sort of 30 20 years even more recently with certain um well-known trainers that get airtime um, and that's whether we're talking TikTok or um, television. So what's the sort of more common things that you see with dogs, the common, more common problems that you see? Oh gosh, it ranges. So, you know, umbrella terms, aggression, anxiety, related behaviors, um, fears and phobias. So it it's, could be um, anything, uh, typical uh, problems with dogs will be human to dog aggression, dog to dog aggression. Um, with cats, it will be inter cat aggression. So cats fighting within the home, um, this morning, a case where a cat is fighting neighbours and actually uh, one cat's lost its eye. Neighbours, cat's lost its eye from the fighting. Um, it might be um, 
with uh, some situations, dogs uh, uh, aggressive towards unfamiliar people or visitors. Very awkward seeing that hugely rise since the pandemic with the restrictions of visitors around and not being able to mingle out and about with others. Um, Another common one with uh, dogs will be noise phobias. So things like fireworks, gunshots, and that can generalize Mm. to storms and, and, uh, you know, rain, because that's usually the precursor to storms. Um, So uh, with cats, very often it might be owner directed aggression or uh, inappropriate elimination. Mm. So I've had cases last week where a cat is peeing so much and has done for several years that when they're showing me around, the wood is warped pretty much on on every skirting board, on on the the wood of the wardrobes, on the doors, you know, and they're living with this every single day. and then uh, one that's hit the press a lot in the last two years uh, with the talk of going back to work is separation related problems. Um, and that can include everything from destruction to excessive vocalization, again, indoor elimination. It can be self-harming, um, you know, vomiting. Um, so all sorts of things. And that can be cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. Very often it's attributed to dogs, but the cats get can get very anxious as well. So they're kind of some of the typical behavioral problems I'll deal with. With my trainer hat on, um, some of the common problems for dogs will typically be uh, poor recall, pulling on the lead, um, jumping up, but understanding that actually there's always a function to those behaviors is really important because actually the pulling on the lead might be a fear response because of traffic, that loud noise, or certain surfaces like I had with a client this week. Um, The jumping up might be uh, a means to create space because there's an underlying fear response or it might be a means to seek reassurance or it simply could be my teeth hurt and I'm a young puppy or I need a pee or play with me. So there's within each behavior, it's really important that we look at what could be the driving the behavior in the first place. So that's where behavioral training work together the behavior and the training work come together because you're looking at the big picture so rather than just um uh, working with a trainer who might say well spray your dog with water when it bark uh, when he barks because that will stop the bark yes it may stop the bark because it's startling the dog so we're then rewarded going oh that works i'll do it again but actually why was the dog barking in the first place right. yeah. you know you know what's what's triggering the problem how can we address the the underlying cause that will reduce the frequency intensity of that bark so yeah that's that's kind of in a nutshell yeah. my what my work and a bit of insight into the industry and some of the challenges yeah. So you're coming into, what, the 16th year of being in business now? Yes, in May, yeah. So what are the challenges that you you faced during that 16 years? (laughs) Probably like most people in a kind of quite a chunky period of time, death, divorce, um, (laughs) uh, meeting new person, having children with them, um, and recessions, a couple of recessions in between, uh, and then a global pandemic, (laughs) and and an MSc degree as well. So um, they're kind of the the highlights, as it were, of those 
15 years. So um, some emotional um, trauma, um, some some really big highs as well. Um, I think the one challenge I, I being really honest with myself, I haven't yet cracked the work life family balance. I think this is probably a challenge for many who work for themselves and especially in a job where I am the service Um, and while I have helped with my my puppy and dog school, um, lovely uh, lady called Sarah who's brilliant, I have great support with my partner Alex, Um, it is at the end of the day a lot of me Um, so it's uh, it's time precious and uh, you know we get a lot of contacts on a Sunday night with people calling for help at 10, 11 o'clock at night. So um, I remember writing in my award entry, you know, the last two years have been something else. I felt like the fourth emergency <laughs> And that's, that's always been there to a degree, but never before have I seen the sheer scale and just having to turn away work and pass on to my peers. See, this is because people in large numbers got dogs during the pandemic that's absolutely right so when you look at the stats um before the pandemic you're talking about in the uk around 10 million dogs currently over 12 million or 12.5 depending on what you're looking at with cats a similar rise of about 3 million in ownership so if you think um take take one one organization I'm very proud to be a member of, the Association of Pet Behavior Counselors. I think at the my last count, there was about 135 clinical animal behaviorists. Um, and, and then if you look at um veterinary behaviors, you'd have that on top. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, we're talking, you know, less than 200 compared to millions of, of dogs and cats and other species that need help. So there's always demand for service. Yeah. But the awards do give you that point of difference. That was what we were going to come on to talk about. So obviously this is the Business Awards show. So we like to then talk a little bit about awards. And you've won a lot of awards. It's about 10 now, isn't it? Mm. And what would you say is the main driver for you entering awards? And what have they also brought to your business when you do win or you get shortlisted? It's a really um, interesting question. I think it comes back down to several things. One, entering awards, particularly um, your awards, Debbie, it's a really robust um, assessment. And I I like that because it gives me, it forces me, I should say, it forces me to make time to sit down and reflect on everything I've done and to evaluate for that year and previously and to identify what's been working really well and actually what can be tweaked. Um, Otherwise, I think you get stuck in a bit of a rut, just thinking you're doing all right, just because, you know, the clients are ticking over and things like that. So um, for me, what I like particularly about Best Business Awards is the fact that it's not just asking a couple of questions to fill out a form and you're done and fingers crossed. You Your awards ask you to dig deeper and you're looking across the whole of the business, including the financials. And that could be intimidating when you first think about, oh my God, you're exposing yourself to yeah. industry experts, the judging panel. But actually, you know, I think that's a really positive thing to take yeah. that time to reflect. Um, so that's why primarily I like entering the awards. I, I want to keep myself um, 
at the forefront as much as I can. I want to ensure that if, you know, and it's not about, it's nice to win, <laughs> you know, don't get me wrong. It's nice to win, but it's, it's even better to be recognized and have someone saying, yeah, you're on the right lines or yeah, you're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. Or right. to get feedback, you know, to say, actually, have you considered this instead? Yeah. Or Yeah. And I think visibility in your industry, I mean, Clearly, there's a huge shortage of people doing what you're doing because, you know, those numbers are quite stark, aren't they? 130 people specialising in this field of animal behaviour. And yet, you know, we've got millions and millions of dogs and cats. So there's a huge uh, disparity there. So I'm guessing it also flies the flag for what you're doing and potentially encourages more people to be aware of it and potentially go and think about doing it. Yes, and that, that's the benefit, definitely. Yeah. That's why I said that point that, you know, we all have to start somewhere and that's a good thing. Um, and we are seeing an uplift, you know, every year more and more people to, to uh, choosing to come into this industry, which is great. Um, but we need, in my industry, we need a lot better yeah. regulation because, as I said, it's very easy to just buy off the shelf um, something online and then, you know, call yourself you know, whatever you want to, because no one's going to turn around and say, what's your credentials? Because the average customer, the average pet owner who just wants help, whether that's learning to walk their dog on a loose lead or whether dealing with their cat who's peeing everywhere, they're trusting in what they're reading. And as with everything, the internet has some good information on there, not so good. And I think where you've got an organization like yourselves and the other awards organizations that are backing you up and saying, yeah, we've reviewed everything this person's doing, this business is doing, and we can validate that it's a viable business. They're showing due diligence. They're knowledgeable. They understand their clients. They're ever improving. That's worth its weight in gold. Yeah. And having a customer service award, I always think is so valuable. And even in our awards, I can't speak for others, but in ours, if you are shortlisted for best customer service, you have to be pretty outstanding to even get that far. So to get a silver award for it shows massive credibility. Um, you know, That's really nice to hear, Debbie. Yeah. When, when you first started these in 2015, that was the first yeah. um, year I entered. And Animal Service is so pleased you got that category now because it recognises this is a huge billion, multi-billion pound industry. But um, I chose customer service because yeah. that's something I'm passionate yeah. about. Can't stand people not returning calls or making an effort. Yeah. Um, and it was mind blowing when I went to that event and I'm thinking I was sat there, little old me with my coworker at the time. And suddenly we're realizing we're in a category with multi-million pound companies. We're like, oh, my God, this is quite scary. But it doesn't that, you know, some of the sort of fallacy around our awards and other awards, actually, is that you don't have to be a multi-million pound business to enter business awards. Yeah. What you have to be doing is a good job. <laughs> Yes, running a good business. Now, just because it's not multi-million pound doesn't mean it's not a good business. And mm. people get caught up in that. And in fact, some of the worst businesses out there are multi-million pound businesses. They might be turning over loads of money, but actually they're not delivering very good service and they're not looking after their customers. So it's quite interesting because I think some of the best businesses out there are just people doing their thing, earning a living and supporting people. You know, they might not be a millionaire sitting on a yacht, but they're actually just doing such an amazing job and they should be recognised for that. Yeah. So what's on the uh, agenda for you for 2022? 
Well, we just launched a long overdue new website, ah. hannahgrice.com. So that's been um, in the works for a long time. So that was launched just before Christmas. Um, haven't kind of widely communicated it yet because there were, as with all these things, tweaks to be made. But that's now up and, and running. And then the next follow on is uh, something that I'm working on called a member vault. And this came out of the pandemic because I had to show flexibility really quickly, like everybody else. And within a matter of days, all my classes, all my consultations, all my lecturing, because I'm also an animal sciences lecturer on the side, everything went virtual. So what I learned is that there's demand for my services, whether it's virtual or not. And I have been doing some virtual on Zoom since 2017 with clients abroad, expats. But that service just massively increased because of the nature of the pandemic. But then I also learned, hey, I'm recording these classes real time as we go. So why don't I bank these and create these as a suite of off the shelf? You can buy your stage one puppies or stage two with me. And since the pandemic um, started for those who couldn't physically get into the live uh, I just packaged it up and they were buying the recorded and over the last um, couple of months we've had 55 graduates just on the recorded so I'm back in class it, standing in front of people but I've also got a whole set of students who are working with me um, on pre-recorded courses and that led to the idea of look you know I'm always providing handouts and resources because you get asked some questions pretty much um, all the time over the years. So I have a whole suite of handouts and videos. I think I've got the latest count over 600 videos of me doing stuff and saying this is how to do this or that or whatever. And I just thought, right, I need to create rather than having it on different channels like Vimeo and Dropbox and things like that. I'm going to create it all. And the idea with this member vault is you can then, if you want to find out how to tackle with feline uh, inappropriate immolation, uh, uh, elimination, or just learn more about cats, mm. uh, cat behavior and body language, or to understand dogs and different aspects of them, um, you can go to this uh, one place and then click on buy. And to me, this is where I think I am going to get that work life balance better because it is all going to be automated and therefore you don't need me physically clicking no. and doing stuff no. so that's the next big thing for 2022 and then the other thing I've always been passionate about children and uh, dogs and babies and dogs so my MSc final uh, research uh, or thesis was into the pre and postpartum relationship between dogs and their owners so whether new babies basically um alters the dog owner relationship because there's hardly any peer-reviewed research out there about this so that produced really interesting results so I want to further that research too and the goal is to make that publishable and then as long I, I'm not planning on having any more babies being an older mum uh, the last one was a surprise but as long as I don't have any more babies that interrupt the idea of doing a PhD that would be the goal oh wow so yeah. the idea is at some point I would love to do that whether the reality <laughs> happens I don't know but that's kind of that's the last thing mm -hmm. for me that I really would like to do mm -hmm. um more immediately I'm taking some time off Woohoo! <laughs> Come Easter. So I'm actually wow. going to 
hang out with my family and enjoy some yeah. time. Brilliant. Oh, well, it's been amazing talking to you today. So if anyone's listening to the show today and they know someone who's got a troublesome dog or a troublesome cat, although I have been told it's never the animals, it's always the owners <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> um, but if you've got trouble with your pets, um, come and talk to Hannah and get some advice um, because, you know, she has been vouched for by her judging panel as outstanding in her field. And I think you are definitely one of the leaders in your field, without a doubt. Um, so thank you for joining me today. Uh, keen to continue to watch your journey. Um, I'm sure you're going to be one of those TV animal behavioural therapists one day, I'm sure. <laughs> Grab you for thank one you. of the TV documentaries that goes on. And yeah, keep us, keep us updated on what you're up to. Sounds great. So thank take you. care, Hannah. Thank you so much. Bye, Debbie. Thanks for listening to the Business Awards show. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and post about it on social media or leave a rating or review. To catch all of the latest information and show notes, please go over to our website, businessawardshow.co.uk. Thank you.